Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers. Embarrassing, humiliating, disturbing, unacceptable. All words to describe the 49ers' performance against a Cardinals team that was without its quarterback, Kyler Murray, without its best wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, without A.J. Green, without their starting running back, Chase Edmonds, who got hurt on his first carry, without J.J. Watt in a must-win game with their backs against the wall. The 49ers came out with a sloppy, terrible performance that had me wondering, is this team even trying at this point? Zane, is this rock bottom, man? Can it get any worse than this? It has to be. Like, they looked like they were in year one under Kyle Shanahan. This looked like the 2017 team, except the problem is, is that they've had almost half a decade, at least the the management side of it, have had a half, half a decade together to, to basically figure things out. It's a much more talented roster than what you, what you shoot, what was shown on Sunday. And to see that performance in that situation at home, mind you, where they haven't won a game in over a calendar year, Granted, they had the games in Arizona where, you know, they technically won a home game there. But this is one of those things, Al, that just kind of makes you step back and think, what's go- what is the future of this franchise? What is the future of this regime? We already know that the future of the quarterback position is. We know that Trey Lance is the future. We know that he should be starting. And frankly, he should have been starting already. But we know that. But beyond that, Al, where is this team headed? What direction are they going? Like this is year five under John Lynch, Adam Peters, and Kyle Shannon. I say Adam Peters because he's mostly basically handling the draft. We know this. Like John Lynch is just basically a figurehead, right? At this point. But what's going on with this team? And that year in 2019 now, it all of a sudden looks like an outlier. And it looks like a fluke. Mm-hmm. Because every single other year that they've been together has looked the same. And I'm with you, totally unacceptable performance against Arizona. And, and that's just, you said 2019 does look like an outlier. And you saw the way this team was, we thought the way this team was headed. 2017, 2018 were awful. Absolutely mm-hmm. awful. I know Jimmy came in at the end and put some juice in, the, in at the end of 2017. And 2018, you, could, you blame it on Jimmy's injury, right? But they were pretty bad seasons. And the Niners looked sloppy. They looked like a bad team. But it was a rebuilding team. So you kind of say, all right, you know. And then 2019 happens. And you're like, oh, we've. We've arrived. The window is open. They're going to be a good team. And last year, the injuries happen. But again, the same sloppy stuff, turnovers. And this year, it's it's been, they do have injuries, but they do have enough talent, at least on paper, where you would say where they, they should be winning, right? But maybe this is just who this team is under this coaching staff. They're, they're a sloppy team, Zane. And when you look at this game in particular, say, oh, well, they were moving the ball. Great. They still fumbled twice. So if you want to say, well, if they didn't fumble, to me, in my mind, if they didn't fumble, they would have found another way to screw up because that's what they do. So if Ayuk doesn't fumble and Kittle doesn't fumble, maybe Jimmy throws an interception or maybe somebody else fumbles or something else happens. It's one thing after another of just sloppy play with them. And listen to this. The 49ers have the most turnovers or, or the worst turnover um, ratio of any team since 2017 when Kyle Shannon took over. They are negative 44, Zane. Negative so 44. They were negative three in 2017. 
negative 25 in 2018, which is unbelievable. They were plus four in 2019, negative 11 last year, and they're negative nine this year. It is atrocious. It is absolutely mm-hmm. atrocious. And I guess where I'm at with, with this team right now, the level of frustration, and I think the fan base is here too. This team never wins. They, they, they never win. Ever. They have one random good year. The three, the five years Shanahan has been here, okay? Halfway through the season, and I know there's not, there's 17 games this year, but they've started out 0 and 8, 1 and 7, 8 and 0 in 2019, 4 and 4, and then 3 and 5. In the last 18 years, the 49ers have had a winning record on November 1st or later just five times. 2011 to through 2014, every year with Jim Harbaugh in a random 2019 year. So essentially, their seasons have been pretty much over by Thanksgiving most of the last two decades. Mm-hmm. That That is absolutely atrocious. That is a bottom feeder franchise. And in, in terms of winning seasons, the Niners have had only four winning seasons in the last 18 years. And there's only, I think the Raiders... The Browns and the Jags, I think, are the only teams with four or less. That's it. They've been a bottom feeder franchise. And I think now the fan base is just getting to the point where you see it. They're just absolutely fed up. And I listen, we've been on this since the beginning of the season, right? In terms that we think this team was is kind of about to spiral down in a way. And I, mm. I would tweet things and, and inevitably people would come back to me. You don't know what you're talking about. They're going to be fine. Blah, blah, this is the other thing. Now nobody is sticking up for them. Like nope. everybody has had it. It seems like it's the fan base just as a whole has just said, you know what? Enough is enough. And it just kind of clicked in. And I just think everybody's just at a loss. This hasn't been a good franchise under the Yorks. It never is. It's always something. And I just, people are fed up, man. We kind of touched on this last year a little bit. And we talked about what the problem with the 49ers is. I mean, it feels like we have this conversation every year. And except for that one year where, where Lebanon's stats were here and it was awesome because all we were talking about was winning, which is kind of funny. <laughs> one year that you, the one, one year, year you I'm and gone. I were not together, <laughs> that you're gone, where they, they were actually winning. But I, I think that when it comes down to it, we have to kind of peel this back and it's kind of like an onion. And much like we saw that the problem with, with the 49ers offense not being able to really take off wasn't necessarily like it was it, like the quarterback was a symptom of the problem. And we're kind of peeling that back and like people like thinking like, you know what, maybe, maybe the quarterback isn't the problem. Maybe it's Kyle. Just like we did that. Let's take, let's do that with the team. Like, is it, is it really Kyle or the coaching? I mean, maybe it's the system. Maybe it's the way that the, the Yorks run the 49ers and progress. Culture. Of course, the culture fun. thing. I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at it, and from that standpoint, like if you take that, take this thing, look at it from like a 30,000 foot vantage point and you step back at it and look at it from that point, the way that they choose to build their teams is they like to hire coaches that either don't have much NFL experience. I believe they hired eight coaches, right? Um, it's it's uh, Erickson, Nolan, Singletary, uh, Harbaugh, Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, and and Kyle. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, sorry, seven coaches. Um, I don't think anybody said anybody, right? I think no, you got so, it. Yeah. Sorry, seven coaches. So out of, out of all of those guys, the only two to have NFL coaching experience were Dennis Erickson, who was just a terrible hire to begin with, mm-hmm. 
and Chip Kelly, who was also a questionable hire too. So they love these kind of never coached before type of coaches for whatever reason, maybe because they don't command as much money or they don't command as much power or whatever it is. They love those coaches and they bring those guys in and it doesn't work. It's proven to not work. The only guy that I actually worked with was Harbaugh. And you could argue that that roster was right when he came. They just really needed the coach because you had a bunch of guys that were either borderline Hall of Famers and, and Patrick Willis and Frank Gore and, and, the, and the best tight end before Kittle in the history of the franchise and Vernon Davis is already on the roster. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, they haven't been able to do anything. So we have to question like, okay, how are they doing this? What are they doing? The, the, the coaching hires, yeah, you can question that. But the other thing is, is that the way that they choose to manage the cap and things like that, they, they prioritize cap prudency or cap responsibility. And they're, they're barely ever at or near the cap. They prioritize longer term contracts. They tend to give out bad contracts to players that, that shouldn't get them. There's several bad contracts on this team right now. And I think that all of those things combined really, and they do it repetitively, right? Like, you know, we've seen it with Torrey Smith. We've seen like the Garoppolo contract. We've seen D4 now. Like we've seen it like just in recent years, we've seen several different scenarios where they've given out bad contracts to guys that don't deserve it. And I don't know if that's, that's a, a symptom of the problem again, or just the way that they operate, but it's just, they do these things repetitively and they and they don't work. And I'm not saying you should break the bank and you should get all these high price free agent things. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that like the the culture that they have and the, and the team, that, the way that they build their team, draft and develop and cap prudency and all this crap, it's not working and it hasn't worked for almost two decades. So I don't know what it's going to take for them to, to change that, whether it's empty seats at Levi's, whether there's people not purchasing Niners, Niners merchandise anymore or whatever it may be. But something has to change out because this franchise it's essentially this generation's Cleveland Browns. Grant Grant Cohen posted something on Twitter today, and it got kind of got me thinking about their coaching hires that you just alluded to. So he found an article that was actually through 49ers Web Zone from the San Francisco Sentinel. We don't know who wrote it because that is not around anymore. But in this article, it said this is going back to I guess 2004. It said Mike Holmgren was under consideration for the coaching job of San Francisco 49ers, but a mathematical calculation by the owner's son. And the team's number cruncher killed any hopes of hiring Holmgren. The 49ers selected Mike Nolan instead based on another set of mathematical calculations and data by two young men. Using a statistical analysis devised by 49ers number cruncher Prague Marathe, a business school graduate Jed York, the pair determined that no head coach of a Super Bowl winning team had ever left that team and won a Super Bowl as the head coach of another NFL team. Goes on to say, Jed and Prague devised an entire series of spreadsheets and provided statistical outcomes of various coaching choices, according to the 49ers Insider. They had reams of paper to prove that Holmgren was a bad choice and that Nolan was a good choice based upon his record in Baltimore and his history with the Giants' death spreads. Hearing that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Really does. And I know that was a long time ago, but I, so I, anyway, it got me thinking about when the Niners fired. And again, this is me. What was I? How old was I when they fired most? They're my early 20s. And at the time, you know, you're used to the Niners winning. And I guess I, I didn't really know what this ownership group was yet. I remember thinking when they got rid of Mooch, I said, okay, maybe they just felt it was time. Mooch, you know, really hadn't won anything. Maybe it's just time they want to go to another coach, another 49ers guy, right? Whether mm-hmm. you, you try to get Mike Homer to come over. I thought Denny Green was somebody they were going to consider. Just a Niners guy, right? somebody from the old days or just somebody who had been around there. 
they went with Dennis Erickson. And you're kind of like, what the hell was that? Really odd mm-hmm. hire. He goes nine and 23 with the team. And then from Erickson, they get rid of him in two years. The second year was a disaster. I think he went seven to nine and two and 14 were the, were the two records. And they give a job and an awful lot of power to Mike Nolan, who had done absolutely nothing. He was a defensive coordinator. Not a, I mean, oh, his dad was a coach in the 70s, but he was not a Walsh era glory day. No, no connection to the Niners. He goes 18 and 37, and, hand, and then they hand it over to Mike Singletary, who that year, if Jed York actually waited and didn't just hire Singletary off a couple of good games at the end of the year, they just shot at Mike Shanahan because he was available after that. Singletary goes 18 and 22, which I guess that record isn't horrible, but it's obviously not good. And he was, it was a train wreck of a regime. He was a, he's a crazy person. Then you bring in Harbaugh and we know what happened there. Four, three fantastic seasons and one eight and eight season, which I think a lot of people would sign up for (laughs) the most awful train wreck of a season under Harbaugh was still better than most other years with the Niners. Mm -hmm. Then Jim Tom Sula, we know the circus that that was. As we go into four coaches in four years here, his record was six and 11 when you count the game that he took over after Singletary was fired. Then they get rid of him. And instead of starting over, you keep bulky, you bring in Chip Kelly to go two and 14. You completely waste a year. And then from, from what we were told, Denise steps in, hires, hires Kyle Shanahan, and, and we are where we are right now. So there's just been a history of strange and poor decisions by the Yorks. But it seems like every time they make a decision, everyone wants to be like, oh, yeah, Jed figured it out now. He learned his lesson. What if Jed's ever really going to learn his lesson? And what I'm interested to see right now is the claws are out with Kyle Zane. And he needs to yeah. turn it around now, okay? If they have a 10-loss season this year, I was trying to figure this out. Has any coach ever lost 10 games in four, four different seasons with the same team? And the only one that ended up, um, someone tweeted it to me, the only one that we could find was Gus Bradley, who lost 10 games four years in a row when the Jags fired him. I don't know if any other coach has done that. If Kyle does that again this year, and he might, that is all-time futility. All-time. That's bad. Ten, That's really bad. Four 10-loss seasons by the same coach for the same team. Which, I mean, all-time futility. So like these hires just keep stacking up and can't stacking up. But if it gets bad, and the public perception gets bad. Zane, do Prague and Jed, do leaks start to happen? Do they start to step in? Because they've done it in the past. Do you think it happens again? Could it? Could we see this again? Oh man, I. That's that's kind of what I was thinking too. Is that like at some point they're going to do what they're going to do? Because look, say what you want to say about about Jed and Prague, but they, at the end of the day, they've got a business to run, and that business is dependent on wins and losses. Right. Well, it's a pound wins more specifically, but they want they want to be able to have the most successful product out there because it, te- it puts the team and thus them in the best light possible. So if they're losing, it's embarrassing for everybody, including them, because this is this is their their product. Right. Um, the 10 loss thing is just unbelievable because there have been so many bad coaches in the NFL. They're like, look back to the 90s, just like Rich Kotite. And there was like guys like, you know, back when Jerry Glanville was bad and Rich Brooks and Dave, Don Shula, what was yeah. his name? David Shula and all those guys that were just terrible coaches for those teams in, in the nineties and the, and you know, the early two thousands, like, uh, that the dude from the Browns, Butch, um, not Butch, Butch Davis. Was it? Yep. Uh, Butch Davis. The Browns? Yep, Browns. Yeah. Butch yep. Davis and the Browns. Yeah. Like 
all those guys were such bad coaches, but none of those guys end up with like multiple 10, like four 10 loss seasons. And we may be staring at a guy who, who may do that here and in, in, with the Niners. And it's just, man, I, I don't know how to fix that out. I don't know if there's any quick fix because I will say two things though, that I saw from Kyle that I, that I haven't really seen at all in his four years here. Number one, he owns something and he said, this was, it was my fault, he, which he never does. He never owns anything. And he well, came he out. He kind of owned it after past- he got slammed for not owning it, didn't he? Didn't he kind of get well, slammed I mean, for blaming the players? And then he, yeah. So uh, Eric Davis tweeted out, tweeted out, he was like he, bl- he's like, I can't. He's tweeted out something like, I can't believe he blamed the players. And coming from a former 49er alumni, that's kind of that's kind of bad, right? And then yeah. like the next day, Kyle, uh, I think it was, uh, gosh, was it like Tuesday of this week? Uh, Kyle came out in the press conference. He's like, I have to be better. And I was like, you know what, Kyle, good for you. Because he never does that. So I'm hoping that this is kind of like, you know, him turning the page and learning a little bit. The other thing, he actually started yelling at officials. He actually started getting in their face. And after the Josh Norman call, and and by the way, Josh Norman should not be a 49er. I think that like it's ridiculous that Lenore, you know, he had he had a birth of a child and all that stuff. That's that's and congratulations to him. That's fantastic. That's a, a really good reason to be to be gone. But I think that now that he can, or whenever he can come back, he should assume that starting spot over Norman. But anyways, mm-hmm. Kyle on that play, like after that play, when the flag came, Kyle was screaming at the officials, and I've never seen him do that before with such passion and such like he, he actually looked like agitated for once, like you know, on the sideline. And you don't see that fire from him usually because he's usually just scrolling his tablet. He really doesn't. He's passive. He's not really into the game, honestly. For head coach, he's not really into the game. He's mostly looking at his tablet, designing plays looking at plays and stuff. And in that moment, I saw more fire from him than I've seen in the prior four years combined because he's not that kind of guy. So you can tell that the pressure is also getting to Kyle as well. And you know, look, like I want this to work out. Like people say like, Oh, why are you turning on Kyle? I'm not turning on Kyle. I, I want him to be better because I've seen him do better. We've seen what he can do when he's coaching well. Right. And there's no reason to ex- expect anything less than that because Al, if he if he didn't do it, I wouldn't expect it. If it was like, okay, he's just a mediocre, terrible coach, and he's just a perennial loser, all right, cool, get the hell out of here. Let's get the next guy in. But no, like he's he's shown that he could be successful. So why can't you do that consistently? And that's all I want. I want him to win consistently. I want to see what we saw in 2019. I want to see that every year and not like, oh, it's one one in every five years. So it's not about it's not about trying to replace Kyle or trying to say, like, oh, we should fire him. It's about, hey, like we've seen you do well. I want you to get back to that point again. And I, I honestly don't know how they get there. Like you can you can insert Trey Lance, and I think that will give the team a spark and maybe they'll win a game or two. But it's not gonna fix the the way that the defense is being coached and the the lack of discipline that these teams shows. And Al, they just play tight all the time. George Kittle, who was your most sure-handed player, never fumbled in his career, makes a silly mistake and fumbles in the red zone. Brandon Ayuk playing tight as hell because he's been in the doghouse all year. Surprise, surprise, makes a great catch and then follows it up by fumbling it. Like the, the team is just way too tight. And when that happens, it's the head coach's job to be able to loosen them up and get them to basically say, hey, you know, like, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's figure this out. I'm going to have patience with this. I'll let you work through it working through. But I, I, I don't know if Kyle has that kind of patience. I don't know if he has the patience to let guys work through it. Yeah, and I, I'm just getting to the point where like, Everybody keeps saying, well, well, you know, he's a good coach to get through it. I don't know that he's a good coach, man. Like Mike Tomlin's a good coach. Mike Tomlin yeah. gets his teams to the playoffs more most of the time. 
Good coaches do not lose 10 games. I, I understand the circumstances. All teams have injuries. I understand the Niners have had a lot of them, but good coaches do not lose 10 games four out of five years, which he might do this year, mm-hmm. unless he turns it around. Okay. And we're talking about the futility with the turnovers and the losing seasons and everything else. Zane, I'm not going to count the games that they were in Arizona for. I know they lost. I think I think they lost. They did yeah. lose all those games in Arizona. They weren't really home That's games. That was a crazy situation. I'm just counting. They won one, I think. They won one. I think they, no, they were one in seven at home last year. They, I don't think they won any of them. No, they, they did. They did. They, they, because they haven't won a game at Levi's uh, in over a calendar year, right? So, but they uh, the won. Hold on. Levi's... You're going to make me uh, pro football reference this year. <laughs> just, just so we have accurate information for our listeners. Yeah. Um, but as you do that, as you do that, like, I, I, I do want to agree with you there. Like, last year was kind of a pass. Like, Kyle gets that pass for me. Like, dude, like, that sucks. That situation was terrible. It was, it was COVID. Second, you got, they lost them yeah, all. They lost could, to the Bills. They lost to the Redskins. They lost to the Seahawks. Okay, I'm a liar. Their two, okay, their two wins were against <laughs> the Rams and the Cardinals. At, at uh, So they did beat the Cardinals, but it was technically a home game for the Cardinals oh, in okay, Arizona. Yeah, okay. So they were 1-7 last year. Their only win was against the Rams at home in like week six. Yeah, that was I it. remember that. That's so, right. The, the throwback. So, they were in throwback uniforms. And the, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Right. Good coaches do not lose eight of their last nine home games. They have lost eight of their last nine, nine games at Levi stadium. That is insane. That is insane. Do you know how many games, home games, Jim Harbaugh lost as 49ers head coach in regular season? Take a guess. Eight. Uh, eight, eight, eight home games four, over four years. Four years. He lost eight. He went four and four in his last season and he lost four in his, in his first three. That's it. Kyle's lost eight of his last nine. You know what I mean? And it just, at mm-hmm. some point, if you're a good coach, you do better than this. So I, is he a good offensive coordinator? Yeah, he's done nothing to prove he's a good head coach. The culture there seems like it stinks, right? Everybody's yeah. playing tight. There's always issues. There's always injuries. He's done nothing to say that. And you, t- you to prove that, you brought up Norman, okay? And this is where I kind of want to get into some of these personnel decisions with Kyle. Why the hell is Josh Norman on the team? Why? Mm-hmm. What What does he do right now? What? He, he gets a... a Ton of pass interference penalties. He's not very good. He's way past his prime, and he might have cost you the game with his antics. And I know he's he's got a right. rib injury now, so he's going to be out. But why is he still on the football team? Just these weird personnel decisions. Playing Jake Patrick who stinks over Lenore, and yeah, did Lenore have a couple bust, busted coverages in the first two games? Yeah, he's a fifth round rookie. Okay, so what? He also played pretty damn well. Just these weird personnel decisions. Did you read that article today by Benjamin Solak from The Ringer? I was just about to bring that up. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think so, you should tell the, the listeners. Yeah. About that for sure. It's a really good article. And if, if you have it, it's on Benjamin Solak, The Ringer. You can find it on Twitter. The Kyle Shanahan conundrum. And one thing he talked about, it's a long article, but he talked about the 49ers player development, right? And how much of an issue it's been. And I'm going to read a little bit of, of it to you. So he says, Shanahan has a player development problem. It's impossible to pin down the exact cause of the issue from outside the building, but it's easy to see the symptoms. Rookies aren't given long leashes, especially on offense, and the messaging they get from their head coach doesn't seem to elicit improvements. Impatience and high expectations magnify little mistakes and thrust veterans over young players in an effort to quickly heal those minor problems. For example, what I said about Lenore. Mm-hmm. But without rookie development, those minor problems fester, becoming issues that cannot be overcome. 
Nowhere is this reality more concerning than the future of Trey Lance, the greatest and gravest of Shanahan's aggressive trade-ups. Such are Lance's physical gifts that he entered the league with Dante Culpepper, Donovan McNabb, and Colin Kaepernick comparisons. But he also came into the pros with just one season of FCS experience and nearly unprecedented lack of experience for a top-five draft selection. More pro-ready passers like Mac Jones and Justin Fields were on the board for Shanahan and the 49ers, but he chose Lance, the player who above all else needs development. How can the 49ers be trusted to develop Lance under these conditions? The offensive line protecting him is anchored by good but aging veterans with spotty starters laced between. Well, Trent Williams is great. The receiver room is a turnstile stabilized only by the continued dominance of Samuel and tight end George Kittle when healthy. So far, Lance has gotten six quarters of action, made plenty of mistakes, and has seemingly already been shelved for the first time in his career. He's healthy on the sidelines as he watches Garoppolo make the same predictable errors that drove Shanahan to find his replacement. So what Solak is saying there, he's just alluding to the Dante Pettis. And he talks about this in the article, too. He talks about Dante Pettis. He talks about Joe Williams. These guys that the Niners traded up for and were aggressive with, and they just floundered. They didn't develop. And you're seeing it with a lot of these young guys. Look at the, the rookies in this year's class. Lance, um, Trey Sermon, Ambry Thomas, Aaron Banks. These guys cannot even, and well, I know Lance, they're, they're sitting to develop. But the other three guys can't even get on the field, Zane. They yeah. can't get on the field. They don't play. You drafted a guard in the second round. He can't be out Daniel, Daniel Brunskill. What the hell is going on? So I, I, I love the point that he said at the beginning there. There's a player development problem here. And you may not be able to say what it is because you're not in the building. But it's freaking obvious, right? How can we trust any development at this point? It's scary, man. It really is. I And that's kind of what I was afraid of when they drafted Trey. I was like, you know what? Like He's uber talented. You can see this guy is just brimming with talent and confidence. and. I was like, man, I, I hope they know how to develop this kid because, look, one thing there's one thing that we know about the NFL, that confidence is, is everything. And once your confidence is gone, it's a really hard thing to get back, especially the quarterback position, right? And any position is hard. Like, are you, like look at him. His confidence was basically gone. Mm-hmm. And he started making silly mistakes and started dropping passes. And even, he's, even to this day, on Sunday, he made a silly mistake where he found the ball. Like, it's so confidence is such an important thing for an athlete. and especially at the quarterback position. So I understand what they're doing with Trey, but it's like at some point, like you also have to be able to trust him to be able to run the offense, trust him to be able to win games for you. Like you can't just, you can't hide him forever. And especially when, when the the quarterback position right now, Jimmy Garoppolo, you're not like he, he had a statistically good game against Arizona. And I don't think that he was the main problem, but you're not getting like, what was the biggest thing about Jimmy? Oh, he wins, but he's not winning anymore. Right. So at this point, he's of no use to you now, right? He's just a placeholder. So you have to be able to willing to make, be willing to make those moves to put in rookies, to be able to help them grow. And I don't think he understands that because right now, Al, I, I'm wondering if it's about an ego thing. Like, you know what? I can't lose another 10 games this year. I can't have another poor season because it goes on my record forever. And, and you know, you are what your record says you are as head coach and whatever he's trying to salvage out of the season. I don't know what he's trying to do, but, to me, and and yeah, like waving the white flag at this point, like to your veterans, it's gonna send a it's gonna send a pretty stark and and dark message to them to the guys like Trent Williams and Kittle and Bosa and Warner, guys that that are veterans that are at the peak of their careers. That you're basically waving the white flag halfway through the season by putting all these rookies in. So I understand that there's a flip side to this, but at the same time, when your players that you are playing are ineffective, it is your job as a head coach to remedy that, to recognize it. And to resolve that problem. And he's either been unwilling or unable to do that. 
And whatever it is, it's, it, it falls on Kyle. Like, personal decisions are his. And when we look at a guy like Trey Sermon, the last time, Al, he actually carried the ball significantly in a game was against Seattle. He had, a home, he had almost 100 yards in that game. Mm-hmm. He's carried the ball one time since then. One time. Your second-round pick. So, well, sorry, third, uh, no, third-round pick. He has carried the ball one time since then. And for you to do that with a guy that was supposed to come in and, and push for snaps, taking snaps away from Mahim Mostert, like you're not letting, like they're not developing. And there was the other thing with Trey Sermon. I don't know if you heard this, but he took the 49ers off of his bio on Twitter. I did see that. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I feel for the kid. It must be frustrating for him. Like he's not getting time. Like Jamichael Hasty is getting time over him. And Hasty is bringing absolutely nothing to the table. Jamichael Hasty has been an absolute zero this year after having a pretty decent, decent season last year. Right. So yeah, they need to get Jeff Wilson running the ball again. They need exactly. Jeff Wilson was, was, was a, you know, he was inactive as well. So I just, all of these things like, you know, Mahomes Sanu, I feel bad for him with the injury and everything. And I hope that he recovers, but he was out there at wide receiver three and he's just, he's just not giving you anything as a third wide receiver there. So it's like, all right, well, you know, like we saw promising things from, from Juwan Jennings, uh, you're not getting anything out of Jalen Hurd, but you keep him on the roster. If you're Jalen Hurd's out for the year again, by the way, like it's just like these these rosters, like what are we doing here? I'm so, convinced they're going to give him the second contract. I really am. <laughs> I, I, I think it's that ridiculous. On, on IR. Could you imagine like his, I think he's got one more year. He's like, yeah, we're just going to, yeah. we're going to sign him a two-year deal because he eventually he could get, he could get on the field. <laughs> it's been three years, man. Yeah. Right? Like it yeah. just doesn't make I'm any joke. sense. It doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. And these personnel, I, he, talking about development personnel, think of the running back situation thing, okay? They're leading rushers. Carlos Hyde, he inherited, but Matt Breida is the leading rusher. Raheem Moster is the leading rusher. Jeff Wilson Jr. is the leading rusher. And this year, Elijah Mitchell is the leading rusher. It is undrafted free agent, journeyman undrafted free agent, un, undrafted free agent, and a fifth-round pick. Yet, you spent $30 million, or whatever it was, on Jarek McKinnon. You spent ten million on Tevin Coleman. You traded up for Joe Williams, and you traded up for Trey Sermon. So you put all this investment into these running backs that have given you nothing, <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm. Coleman had some good games for them, but overall it was disappointment. Joe Williams never played a snap. Jarek McKinnon was a—I know he got hurt, but still, just a complete waste of resources. And Trey Sermon can't get on the field. It's just it's just strange again, like in, ter- in terms of their development, how they do things with players. It's it's just absolutely nuts. Um, in, in, in just a, a really good example of that. And we talked about Lance. So listen, you could sell to me right now that the Niners should play Jimmy Garoppolo this week in the sense that I think the Rams are going to kill them. So why mm-hmm. throw Trey Lance into that, right? Mm-hmm. But after, assume they're going to lose this week. After that happens, you need to go to Lance. There is zero. Talked about it last week. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be on this team next year. Who cares how he does? Who cares if he develops? Who cares if he looks better? He's not going to be on the team. You need to go to Lance after this week. If you are three and six, I guess at four and five, I still think they should go to Lance. But at four and five, Kyle can sell it. You know, we're right there for the seventh wild card, which they will be with that record if, if they win. We're going to stick with Jimmy. You got Jacksonville coming up. Can you sell that? Sure. Okay. At three and six, you cannot, you cannot sell that. It's time to go to Trey Lance and just let him take his bumps. Yeah. 
You got Jacksonville coming up. They stink. I know they just beat the Bills, but they're not they're not a good team. Put Trey Lance in and live with lives with live with the ups and downs. You saw what Justin Fields looked like the other night, right? He looked mm-hmm. he played yeah. really well against the Steelers. He played well against the Niners too the week before, and he looked non functional a couple weeks before that. So mm-hmm. you cu- you put him in there. You live with the, you live with the bumps and bruises in the beginning because eventually the development's going to come. Let him get his feet wet for the rest of the season. You're three and six. Who, who cares if, if if you do end up at three and six? You're going you're going nowhere right now. Looking at the schedule, I, I hope they I hope they can get seven wins. That's the way I feel right now. So considering that, start planning for next year. Get this guy in here. Get the offensive line used to playing with him. Get chemistry with Kittle and Debo and IU. Get it going so you could hopefully, hopefully, it's always next year with the Niners, right? But hopefully you can hit 2022 mm-hmm. running. But to me, after this week, do whatever you got to do with Jimmy and then just go to Trey, man. Just start building for the future. Kyle, what, what, are, you, what are you waiting for? What do you think is going to happen this year with Jimmy? What's the end game? I, I don't yeah. understand it. It's been a disaster of a season. You can't score over 20 points. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's moving the ball. They score 17 points a game. They've scored, mm-hmm. okay, four, eight, four of their eight games, they've scored 18 points their last, and one of the games was a garbage touchdown against Seattle at the end. They had 13. So mm-hmm. they basically scored under 20 points in five of their eight games. They, they stink. The offense stinks. Mm-hmm. Just what are you going to lose? Lance can't score 17 points a game? Just put him in there. That's, I, I don't care what Jimmy's line is. I know he's had some some good moments, I guess. To me, he is what he is. They're not scoring points, so I don't care. Just put Lance in. Put him in. What, Kyle, what are you waiting for? I, I don't understand. After this week, what could you possibly be waiting for? Yeah. And I, I remember somebody asking me before the season, like, when do you think it's going to be Trey Lance's time? And I, and I said to them, I'm like, you know, probably around week 10 or 11, because at that point we'll know what the 49ers are. If it's going to happen, it'll happen around week 10 or 11, which is kind of what we're coming up on. And at this point, we know what they are. They're not, they're not a playoff team. We know this. Their season, essentially, if, with the loss against the Rams, their season is, is, for all intents and purposes, it's over. Like, you're not, mm-hmm. you're probably not coming back from three and six in this division where you've got Arizona, who has one loss, and the Rams, who have, who have two losses. So, it's, and, and again, you got Seattle coming back with Russell Wilson, who's you don't know what they're going to do, right? So, I, I don't, I don't at all disagree with what you're saying because you really have, you have a team that is in desperate need of some sort of direction and, and identity, and nobody really knows what that is. And I, and I don't know if you read the Mike Silver article, but he mentioned that that there was one veteran player that that he talked to that said that they don't really have an identity right now and they're trying to find it. And that's kind of the worst place you can be as a team when you don't really know what direction you're going in and what, what you are in year five, in year year five. five, Exactly. Exactly. That's that exactly. That's, that's, that's a really, really good point. You know, this is some, this is stuff you talk about in year one or two, right? This is year Mm -hmm. five, half a decade. So putting Trey in there, like, yes, he's going to go through his lumps. Like I've been, uh, for me, I've been, steadfastness all along saying that I will live with Trey's lumps, like whatever, whenever he takes them, I will live with the ups and downs. I will be patient. <laughs> I can't speak the rest of the fan base because the team is already losing. And I think that justifiably so, like a lot of people are impatient right now mm-hmm. and Trey will get a lot of that, back, like unfairly get a lot of that backlash because he's walking into a broken situation. But Al, like how would you like to be Trey Lance right now? Like you're basically, like I said, walking in a broken situation on a team that 
that is bordering on dysfunctional right now. And with a head coach that's embattled and you have the potential for, I mean, there's something wrong with this team, whether you want to call it locker room or whatever it is, right? There's something internally wrong with this team. And Trey Lance, 21 year old kid, the entire team in the city and the region of Northern California is pinning their hopes on this kid to be able to turn things around. Like that's a really crappy position to be in for, for a guy who's starting his second NFL game. And that's very, a very heavy burden to bear. And I, I personally, I don't see it like that, but I can see how that will happen just by, just by default. But I think that when it's Trey's time and it should be Trey's time, I think after this week, regardless of what happens this week, when it's his time, everybody needs to be patient with his development. Like we already saw, we've already seen the whispers about Mac Jones and Justin Fields and things like that. Look, it doesn't matter what Mac Jones and Justin Fields do because they're not on this team. It matters what Trey Lance does. And I know that he's going to be compared to those guys because the Niners passed on them to get him, but that's not his fault. That's not because of Trey. That's because people say, well, Trey's no good, this and that. Well, but blame the regime. They're the ones that drafted him. Don't blame the kid. And I, I'm, I fear that you're going to have what you saw with Jimmy Garoppolo. You're going to see that same thing happen to Trey Lance, where people just, for, for no reason, will just start turning on him. And we'll just start criticizing him and all this stuff, this whole cycle that we are just hopefully getting out of with Jimmy being gone is going to restart itself with Trey Lance, at quarterback. And that's, that's my biggest fear, Al, is that everybody will, will do that same thing to him. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be those people who are going to be harsh on the quarterback. I mean, you know, I know 49ers fans are, are notoriously impatient with the quarterback, but to me, it's just about winning ball games, man. That that's all it's about to me. I saw something and I don't know where it was, but they basically said, Kyle, you know, Kyle's, it depends on how Trey Lance develops. That's going to be Kyle Shannon's future. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. not really. Yes and no, it is. But if Trey Lance throws for 400 yards a game in 50 touchdowns a year, and they're still seven, six and 11, it, Kyle's, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? They have, they have to win. So he can turn Trey Lance in, in, into a prolific passer with all these great stats and everything. But if they're, if, if they go from losing games sloppy and ugly to losing games 45 to 42, they're still losing games, right? They have to win. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where Kyle is. He has to win. I mean, if, if Trey Lance turns out to be serviceable, but Kyle's going 11 and six every year, great. You know what I mean? He's, he made yeah. it work with him type thing. That That's where I, so I think it's a little bit of both, but you mentioned the Mike Silver thing a little bit to what we alluded to earlier. The national media is starting to get on this now, right? Mike Silver had an article. Ben Solek had an article. You're starting to see things about the Niners now where things are like, oh, things aren't right there. Everybody just for so long was like, oh, Kyle's a good coach to figure it out. And everybody kind of lived on 2019. Mike Sando had an article about that too. Mike Sando does a great job. Um, that 2019, that, that, you know, that was the exception. The Niners, everybody thinks because, oh, 2019, it's a good team. It, it's not. I think people are starting to see that now. And we know the Niners don't like us, you know, <laughs> or people like us. Um, but when the national media gets on it, you know, that's, that's when I, that's when you start to see the Jed and Prague and the leaks and, and they're, they're, they're not, they're going to feel the pressure because they don't like criticism. The Yorks do not like mm-hmm. criticism and, and guys like us, they could just brush off and be like, whatever. But when the national people get into it, that's when you start to see the Yorks don't like that. So, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. I, so all of this stuff, like 
and I know we spent the entire episode kind of talking about the regime and Kyle and all this stuff, and we haven't really got much in the game because I think that like, look, the games are the same. That the games are the same since 2017. Aside from 2019, right. they're losing the same way. They look the same. They look the same exact. They look like the same exact team. Like Kyle Shanahan looks like the same exact coach that he was in 2017. Like nothing's changed. So for us to analyze game after game after game of the same stuff, yes, like you guys listen to us for that reason, and we try our best to do that. But I think that just like you guys, we are also thin on patience for for this team as well because just like you guys, we are diehard fans of this team when it comes down to it, right? Like we we've supported this team through everything and. For the last 20 years, they've essentially given us they've given us two Super Bowl losses. I mean, those two runs were, were great and fantastic when we were in them and in the thick of it. But you didn't get the job done. And you you never got back after that until, you know, really there were it was six years in between the Niners getting back with or almost seven years between Kyle and Kyle's team and Harbaugh's team. So I'm like thinking to myself, okay, when's the next time they're going to get back? Five years, four years, five years? Like, I mean, that's a long time to go between having championship runs for guys. Like you explained the last episode, right? Where, man, we grew up on winning and and championships and all that stuff. And I'm not expecting them to win every year. Like, I'm not going to act like an entitled fan, but come on, man. Like, at least be contending. Like, they're, being the you, you mentioned hunt. earlier in the show. Exactly, being the playoff hunt. Like, their seasons are essentially over before By Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, every year it's, it's, you're not, even, you're not even competitive. Yep. So that to me is the biggest thing is like, if you're, if they were competitive and they were like, all right, they're, they're like a middling 500 team and there's a couple moves away and th- that would be one thing, but it's just like over and over and over again, they're, they're not competitive and they are not just one move away, but several moves away. And a lot of those moves are not feasible for whatever reason with this team because of like, they don't have draft capital or cap space or guys just don't want to come play here. It's just this repetitive cycle, Al, and that gets frustrating to watch. And I think that what you're all hearing to the, for this particular episode is a lot of frustration boiling over because we're tired of it too. We're tired of losing. We're tired of covering a losing team. And and people will say, oh, Zane and Al, stop co- stop covering them. Well, I mean, come on. Like we're also we're also patient too, right? Like we're also going to be patient and be like, all right, like you know, we're gonna we're not going to switch teams and things like that. But at the at the end of the day this is a product that we pay for, right? We pay our time and money for this. And yeah, it's our choice. But when you give somebody your time and money, you also expect to get something in return, right? So they don't owe us anything, but the expectation is that at some point, you're going to throw us a bone or something at least to keep us interested. And they, and, and they don't. And that's why you're seeing that, I guess, the reaction from us and, and other fans out there as well. They're just, they're just tired of it. We need to hold this team accountable as fans right now. They just raised season ticket mm-hmm. prices, right? Mm-hmm. I'm an East Coast guy, so I've never, I've never actually, I've never been to Levi's. I'm an East Coast guy. I heard, I heard it's a Sunfield, right? It's brutal to watch yep. games there, and and the product's mm-hmm. terrible, and they're raising your prices, and we need to hold this team accountable. We do. It's it's time yeah. as fans. Remember when when the banners were flying with Tom Sula and everything? And I'm, I'm not saying we should mm-hmm. push anybody out. What I'm saying is hold this team accountable. Hold Kyle accountable. Hold John accountable. Hold Jed accountable. Hold Prague accountable. Prague has so much freaking power. Start yeah. winning. Enough is enough. We're we're tired of fa- faithful. Okay, you want us to be faithful? Why? Because you suck, and then you could be like, "Oh, just be faithful." No, we're holding you accountable. Win games. Enough. People spend money on this team. T- tickets are very expensive. <clears throat> Win games. That's 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 where I am with it. So, and again, maybe that's the East Coast in me. You know, I'm I'm a New Yorker. I'm I'm you know a Yankee fan. We we older. You know, we're 
obviously you know how the presses and everything with with the Yankees and East Coast teams were pretty tough on our teams out here. Maybe that's where I come from with that, but that's the way I feel. So um I did and, want to talk about something yeah. before we get out of here. Um yeah. D'Amico Ryan's I think is getting do I think he's been good by any stretch in the imagination? I mean he's had some bumps, but I think his criticism is unfair. He is a rookie defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. We think of Robert Sala. I remember you and me talking on the show in 2018, like, oh, I don't know if this guy's going to last when there were all those breakdowns <laughs> yeah. in the secondary. Remember that? Takes right. time yeah, as a rookie it. defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. we'll know more about Ryan's in two or three years. But in the meantime, don't blame Ryan's. Blame how he's been put in the situation, how you brought back a bunch of veterans trying to run it back again, right? And you instilled a rookie defensive coordinator. Maybe that was the wrong move. Not his fault. He's learning as he goes through this. And look, well, the Niners. Of course, there's injuries. But this past game, for example, Hufunga. As much as I like the way Hufunga plays, dude's a special teamer. You know what I mean? He's not fast. He got he got burnt. He got burned in the passing game. Wilson looked terrible back there. Ward and Tart. For as much as you know, they don't make splash plays with interceptions. They're both really solid players. So you're missing those yeah. two guys. Your corner, your main cornerback, who played six games in a five-year stretch that you built your secondary around um, is hurt, obviously. So you're dealing with two guys off the street. Excuse me, you have one pass rusher. Javon Kinlaw's out. Dre Greenlaw's out. So the defense is, the talent is not there. Despite what you think with the Niners, they have this great defense. They have a couple great players, but they don't have a great defense right now. DJ Jones Mm. is is a good player. Eric Armstead's a really good player. Bosa's a stud. Warner is is normally a stud, and I guess Jimmy Ward's a really good player. But other than that, you don't really have that much. You got nobody else really rushing the passer right now, you know, because D Ford's mm-hmm. hurt all the time. So it's really not the great defense I, that I, that people maybe think it is. Emmanuel Mosley's number one corner. I mean, that's 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 not good. Um, mm-hmm. I know Kwan Williams is a good player, so there's some good players there. But they have had some good games too. Like they played great against Arizona in that seventeen ten game. They won the game. They won the game in Philly for them. You know the Niners' offense was terrible in that game. So they have shown up in some games. They've been good. They've been bad. I don't think you can judge Ryan's for another two or three years. It's tough that he's in the situation because they needed him to be really good this year. But I don't know that it's his fault. Put somebody with with that little experience into a defense with that had some personnel issues, that had some some injury prone players, that that brought a lot of guys back, hoping to run it back. And and you're a rookie, and you're going to have your ups and downs. So. My my, I'm preaching patience with Ryan's, and we'll see with him. I don't think we know yet. I know he took a lot of slack this week. I don't. I don't really know if that was a, a lot of it was fair. Let's let's give this guy time. Robert Salah struggled in the beginning too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I said that he wasn't that impressed. I said that he hasn't been that impressive. But I mean, like, I I think Al, there's there's something that we should remember here that criticism doesn't mean that we want somebody replaced. It just means like, okay, like we're kind of pointing out the obvious. Like Demico Ryan's, he's, yeah, he struggled. He struggled mightily as defensive coordinator in this first year. And again, like you said, it's not not all his fault because he's it's the, the hand that he's been dealt and i hope that he'll be better for it because it's causing him to kind of figure out creative solutions but it's interesting because with the 49ers in 2019 were essentially the pretty much the same defense that they were in 2018 with the addition of nick bosa and and uh was d ford on, on the team in 2018 and d no, ford right? yeah bosa and ford made a huge difference that year yeah yeah so i think i think that's what it is right is that like they they had those two those two players and we have ed rushers do that like that that makes a huge difference. But Al, again, back to the conversation that we 
Pat earlier in the show with, with the way that they build teams. The Niners just don't believe in getting elite corners. They don't believe in that. Like they, they picked up Sherman, right? Because I mean, he was at the tail end of his career coming off an injury on a basically a prove it deal. And they were able to get him on the cheap. And that was a fantastic move that they made. And I, I think that they should have maybe brought him back. But I mean, again, the off field stuff and injuries and everything like that, but they're missing out leadership. But I mean, like when you think about the way that Jed and Prague build a team, like the way that they, that they want the team drafted and built in terms of free agents, like, they don't bring in elite corners. Like they brought, they brought like Nate Clements back in the day. They gave him that big contract, and he was terrible. They brought in a, a washed up Nadi Asmoa, and he was terrible. But other than that, like even during the Harbaugh, <laughs> yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. Other than that, during, during the Harbaugh years, they haven't prioritized this this position at all. Like they, you know, they had Terrell Brown and uh, Carlos Rogers as the corners when when yeah, Harbaugh was here. They got a yeah. lot out of them. Chris Culliver, and they got a lot out of those those players because the, the D line was so dominant. But they they've never really invested in this position because their belief all along has been: if you have an elite pass rush, your corners and your DBs will get better. But the problem, Al, is that when your pass rush isn't there, your DBs get exposed. And right now, that's that's what they are. Like I like Emmanuel Mosley. I think he's a, he's a a pretty decent player. But I don't think by any means is he, he's not he's he's not an elite corner by any means. Jason Verrett, like he had, he had a Pro Bowl season last year and he was fantastic. But or Pro Bowl worthy season last year he was fantastic. But the guy's always injured, and surprise, surprise, he got injured again this year. So when you don't invest in that position and you're just nickeling diming that position, and it consistently comes back to bite you, there's something wrong here. And again, D'Amico Ryan's going to take the fall for that. But I mean, he's this is the hand that he's been dealt. To count on Verrett that much given his injury history was one of the worst moves of this offseason. And this isn't hindsight. I've yeah. been saying this for months, months, months. That was a gigantic mm-hmm. risk and it bit him in the ass in week one. I don't know how mm-hmm. in God's name they sat around a table or whatever they did and said, okay, let's build our cornerback group around this guy and we'll draft a couple rookies to come in as insurance and we're going we're gonna to bet on Brett staying healthy the whole season. That was what might have been the dumbest move of the offseason. I, I think it was that bad. I think it was that stupid not not to have a contingency plan for him. Do you want to bring him back? Because he played well. Great. He did have a really good year. But we he gets hurt. We need to have a contingency plan like ready to go. To count that much on him in the way it hurt their defense without him, awful. Just just inexcusably absurdly bad move. And again, this is not hindsight. I've been saying this for a really, really long time. So Yeah. All right, Zane. Um do you want to give out any game balls? I don't. Uh, Do you want to give out any game balls? <laughs> I mean, Elijah Mitchell, like, he had a really good game last week. And I think that, man, they, they started the game off with eight passes and two runs. And I know that they were down early. But, man, this, you're, you're taking the ball out of, right now, outside of Debo. Like, Elijah Mitchell is probably your, your biggest offensive weapon, right, with Kittle coming back and everything. And you're not giving him the ball. like. I, I want to see him get the ball more, right? So I can get more game balls, right? <laughs> but I, I mean, who gets a game ball in that performance, right? Like Jimmy had a good, Jimmy had a good statistical day. Ayuk had a pretty decent day. Kittle caught his first touchdown. But other than that, it's like who gets it? The defense was atrocious. I mean, nobody gets a game ball. The fans should get a game ball to have for having to sit through that. Really, yeah, we'll give it to the fans for, for having to sit give through it to that. The fans. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll Shanahan said that the look they gave him. Um, said to pass, so they just kept passing and passing and passing and passing. How 
Uh, you're, I don't know how that makes sense considering, like you said, how well Mitchell has been running, considering that's a strength, but that's what that was the reasoning for that. So, but yeah, no game balls. Yeah, one, one, one thing really quick to that point. I think that, you know, again, we're talking about Kyle Shannon again, but I think that one, what, what makes a really good coach is being able to identify and exploit a weakness and repetitively like hitting that. Like how he did in those two playoff games where they're like, all right, like they, they can't stop the run, so we're just going to keep hitting it with it. Yep. He has those moments where, where he can, he's just so dialed in and you can see it in his play calling and you can see it with the way that, that Jimmy or whoever's playing quarterback is, is playing and, and they're all in sync. And then he gets away from it because he's not patient enough because he's like, you know what, let's, let's get away from that. It was like, you know, it, it's like the week, the week before where Elijah Mitchell's running well, oh, I'm going to get away from that. Or, you know, like they're, they're able to throw the ball and they're beating them. They're beating them with short, quick passes to the running backs. Uh, you know what? Let me throw it down the field a little bit and, and see what we can do. It's just, you have to be able to exploit those matchups repetitively until they stop you. And I feel like he overcorrects. And I think that's one of his problems that when you have such a, a good, because mind you, he's a very good offensive mind, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have such a, an advanced offensive mind, sometimes it causes you to overanalyze things. And I think with Kyle, it's paralysis by analysis for him. He suffers from that a lot. And what you saw, like we, starting with the end of the Super Bowl, right? Like we saw that there. And it just, it just never really stopped since then. And one thing that was telling to me, Al, when it comes to how he is as a, as a head coach, he mentioned in an excerpt from a, from an interview how he went to a birthday party and he had like an iPad and he was designing like, you know, offensive plays and stuff like that. And he also mentioned that same interview. There's like a notepad he has beside his bed. And like when he thinks of like offensive concepts or plays or whatever, he, he jots it down. I, I really appreciate the, the dedication. I mean, that's fantastic. That's awesome. But you're not an offensive coordinator. You're head coach. Like, the fact that like he's he's treating just just offense and maybe and maybe he is right maybe he maybe he is doing that with the defense and special teams and game planning overall right but the fact that like he went directly to like hey this is how I do my offense that is a symptom of the problem is that he is he is continuing to have the mindset of an offensive coordinator when he is the position of when he has been appointed at the at position of head coach and I think that's that's kind of where the crux of the issue is, is that he hasn't been able to expand his mindset beyond that one role of offensive coordinator. Agree. Yeah. He has to grow as a head coach for sure. All right. Rams game coming up. I think this is going to be a bloodbath. I think the Rams just had a really bad loss. I think Stafford didn't play well. He had two really bad turnovers. I think they come out here and you're still going to be your safety group. Still going to be hurt. Um, You're going to have those receivers flying all over the place. Niners haven't been good against the run. I, I just, Sean McVay knows he's lost four in a row to Kyle. I think this game is ugly. I think that they will lose convincingly. I think they're going to go to three and six. And I think all hell is going to break loose. And I think Trey Lance's time comes the following week. I think Trey will play in this game. I think we'll see Trey Lance before the end of the game. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think that at this point, Kyle has to save the season, right? And you. I mean, we know we know the season's essentially done, but as a head coach, you have to send the message that you are trying to do whatever you can to save the season. And it's funny to me because Cliff Kingsbury, with his backup quarterback in Colt McCoy, was calling passes from his receivers and reverses and all all sorts of uh, things that would that he knew would beat the 49ers defense to try to get a win, and they were seven and one. I, I would expect 
or hope that the 49ers at three and five would, would do the same thing. But I just don't think that they're going to do that. And I'm with you. Like I, it's going to be another, another one of those same performances. They're going to look the same. They're going to start out slow. The Rams are going to jump all over them. This is personal for Sean McVay because Kyle's basically been his daddy for the last two years. And, and it's, it's been very embarrassing for the Rams to lose like that the last couple of years to the Niners, because specifically even last year, the Niners were not a very good team. So I think this will be personal for McVay. And again, Matthew Stafford is miles better than Jared Goff ever was. And you have, I mean, we don't, we don't know if Von Miller's, Von Miller's, I don't think he's playing, right? Um, I don't know if they've said it or not yet. Yeah, I, I'm not sure Von Miller, I think they were talking about sitting him out this game. Uh, but if he plays, I mean, forget about it. But if he doesn't, then we're looking at probably, <laughs> probably still a loss, but maybe not by as much. But I think, again, it's not going to be a close game. You're going to see Trey Lance probably in the fourth quarter, mop up duty prep for the next week which i think he should and should and will and should start the next week so yeah i don't want to predict the score i think it's going to be a multiple score loss like i'm sorry i'm, I'm really negative today guys i'm sorry but like man <laughs> i'm just tired i'm tired of it i'm tired of it all <laughs> all right we'll see what happens i'll tell you what next week though um regardless of what happens in the game we are pumped up because we have will selva from good morning football is going to join us on the show next week so i'm really excited to talk to will Will's a great guy. Um, a lot of questions to ask him, so it's going to be cool to do that. So That's my favorite show. I we'll love see. I love me some GMF. I love Good Morning Me too. Football. It's one of my favorite shows, too. We had Kyle Brand on, oh, God, like four years ago now. And I'm excited to have Will on this time. So it's any, anytime we got anybody from that show on, I get I get super excited. So and Will's a great guy. So I'm, What are we going to get gonna Kate be Adams on? We will request we, we her. We will. We I want to have her on, on too. Um We'll put in a request for her, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll 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 call up our guy at NFL Network. NFL Network's been awesome to us, so we'll call up our guy there, and we'll see if we can maybe set that up. Because um, I'd like to talk to Kay too. Yeah, she's one of my favorites, but we'll see, Likewise. Zane. We'll see how it goes. All right, man. Next week, maybe it'll be better. Who knows? Maybe this team will surprise us. They're not going to. <laughs> oh my God, this season I can't take it. All right, guys. For Zane, this is Al. Bye.